Left. Right. All right, this is it. This is an episode where James and I are talking about parenting. Yeah, that's it. Uh, parenting. Well, either way, listen to the episode. Let me know what you think of our points of view. And uh, catch you on the flip side. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 This is episode 81 of Sip Talk. Uh, James and I just shooting the shit a little bit. Uh, James has an accepted bid on a home, which is exciting. We'll share so more So soon details. this will, I'm not going to say be gone. It'll just be spread out more because my next room will be bigger. So, yeah, James' habitat will be changing slightly. Um, so kind of like a frog. And you kind of, when you catch the frog, you pick up all the rocks and the moss around him and you replant him in a, I guess it'll be a smaller terrarium. But uh, I don't know how that was related. Either way, we're live now. A uh, handful of topics we, we want to cover. We want to talk a little bit about parenting. Obviously, our forte. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, this is this, this podcast should just be two white dudes opining on things they have no experience with. Yeah. No, you know, actually, uh, I want to make a, a slight apology it's an apology, not a slight apology, but I felt, I felt bad after I, you know, the guy that got shot last week, Lady Gaga's dog walker. And I felt bad because I, you know, gave not only did he get shot, he got shot hard. <laughs> Come on, man. I just felt bad because I, you know, <laughs> I, I was giving him a hard time, but I did, I did find the fact that he's, he, he, when he called out for help. See, and that's the problem. You know, I was reacting in the minute and then I was like, oh shit, I, you know, I reacted. Oh. It was, it was, it was just, it was kind of mean. But he did say. I went back and forth with the derv about that. It, it, it like, it, like that would be how you would just end the conversation. Is I just got shot in the leg hard. He's like, I got to be honest, it's growing on me. <laughs> I got shot in the leg hard. That was yeah. So that, but I felt bad because I did. I, you know, and I was thinking, you know, it, it's when it's Lady Gaga, who, for most people's perspective, is almost a non-person, and then this is her dog Walker, which is. You don't even, you know, in your mind, that's not even a person. It's just kind of a role. And uh, it's just, I don't know. I felt bad. I, I, I thought about it. And I felt bad um, because he did get shot hard. The so, more I think about it, the funnier it becomes. Well, I felt bad because I was given a hard time. You know, I just, uh, but, you know, like I said, it's easy to pass judgment. Just wanted to add that. Um, Maybe that's what the podcast should be called what a it's easy to pass judgment <laughs> it, well i think i think with any podcast from anybody you know live and it, it it's really easy to pass judgment because you're not in that situation so you have to you have to do your best to put yourself in the scenario and that's so one of the obviously we, we want to we got to get into parenting at some point but have you been following what's going on with the governor of new york a little bit with cuomo apparently so i guess they didn't release all the deaths in the nursing homes or something like that somebody on a staff decided that it was a good idea to maybe downplay that number or just not release the number which that's not even the worst news story that's hit him in the last month well it, it gets more but that was kind of the downward and a lot of people are out 
to get them because especially small business owners like me got destroyed by the moves that the state made in shutting us down and just all the crazy stuff that, that happened. And I gave the guy props in the beginning. He was getting on TV. He was making decisions that, you know, they were kind of shit decisions, but they were difficult decisions to make. And either side of the coin, it's, it's shit for somebody. So, well, and, and he was doing like the right thing by saying, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to take ownership of it because we need to do something. And at that point, Trump was doing absolutely nothing. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I, I gave it to him in that moment. And then it just, it was every single day the guy got on TV. Most of the days he said next to nothing. And then when he had something to say, half, you know, half, half the people got pissed with what he had to say. So, but they were, but, you know, overall, I'll say terrible position for anybody to be in. Overall, he handled it well. Um, either side of the politics that you're on, he handled it the best anybody in that role, I think, could. But risk of getting dragged on, there's a huge number of people that are super pissed with them, so they're looking for any reason to tear them down. Uh, the nursing home thing, like whether you're releasing the death data or not, you know, at, you know he's like doing the mostest. Like out of any of the governors, he was doing like literally the absolute most. So if something wasn't good and you didn't hear exactly how bad it was, there's very little more that he could have done. So, you know, he was crying. He wasn't crying, but he was, he was whining on TV that they didn't, we didn't have enough uh, PPE and uh, ventilators and, and all these different things. And ultimately, you know, our state fared all right when it came to that stuff, the hospitals didn't get too over, but apparently there's some sexual harassment stuff that's going on. Have you heard about this? A little bit. So I, 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 had, I, I was listening to it on the radio on the car ride back, and I got a phone call, so I couldn't hear all of it. But bits and pieces that I've gathered over the last week or so. Um, and I don't do the thing about sexual harassment is it's, you know, I just I try to reflect and think of things that I've done in the past. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, maybe that was too bad. Like, I hope in the moment, you know, everything was, but like, I'm not a sleazebag. And I don't, I truly believe that this guy wasn't either. I just think sometimes you make people uncomfortable. And then if they actually hate you in the future and they use it against you, like, but you try to avoid making people as uncomfortable as possible. But he said to a girl at some type of event that he'd like to see her finish her entire foot long hot dog or something to that effect. And yeah, then maybe- it's just, there's never really an appropriate time to say that. Fair enough, but I think this sexual insinuation—sure, I wouldn't even say that to someone that I was dating. It's just a weird fucking thing, and I, you know, it's gonna make it make it's something that, like, if you were in a group of people and one person said it, everyone's going to feel uncomfortable, and they're just gonna awkwardly laugh, and then the person who said it will be like, "Oh, well, that one got some laughs." I don't know if we use it again or not. It was kind of weird because no one wants to see someone chew on a dick. Like that's not the sexual insinuation. Um, it's just a weird, just a weird. Yeah, thing. but even uh, I think there was another one where he was asking one of his inter, like his assistant or something, who was like twenty five at the time, and he was probably in his fifties. If if like she was ever like with older men, and the way that he knew her was that I think she played soccer against his daughter 
like 15 like 10 15 years before that so like he knew her from when like his daughter was playing soccer so, so when he was still like 40 years old she's the exact same age as his daughter and he's hitting on her and you know like well we haven't gotten into well we have we've touched on uh age spread when it comes to dating and things like that but i don't know that was i i, I didn't I don't know. hear that one that's a weird one that's a weird one. There was another. Um, I think he was on a plane, like a private jet, with like a, it's the same person. Not really sure, but he asked her if she ever wanted to play stripper. Yeah, and but, it's one of those ones where, like, sure you can say you were joking about it afterwards, but were you? But also, he's a, you know an aging gray bag of skin and bones. Like that's, I. I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I get it. You're the governor, but I don't know when, when this was. And then I don't know. It's just, I don't know what happened. Somebody said they tried to, a, a woman said she tried to kiss him at an event. Yep. That's just weird. You know, I think somebody goes in for a kiss. They're kind of setting themselves up for like a very awkward moment. If it doesn't work out, um, I just feel I feel bad for the guy like in that moment and well yeah but again it's if you're going in for a kiss you should pretty much already know what the answer is well, going to be that's kind of what I'm getting at so it didn't work out and it's one also, of two things either you're forcing yourself somebody ability to read the room is really really bad yes I uh, I'm trying to figure out it's, so he's 63 years old which is definitely like grandfather status i'm thinking you know older people do some weird shit they don't and obviously like new generations it's two generations removed now um from kind of the youngest people that might be in these situations um just weird man uh i don't think he should be crucified for it it's not quite weinstein level and also we have a precedent with bill clinton who obviously got a blowjob from Monica Lewinsky and whatever pressure she might have felt under, I don't know. She she was the one that broke the story, right? I don't remember. It's I don't remember either. either way, either way, didn't set him back that much. And then, well, you got you have, Trump talking about grabbing women by the pussy. And then you have Trump, which you know he had. I imagine many many incidences with that he's forced himself on women and i think at one point he was facing like 26 or so 26 is the number that's in my head of sexual harassment lawsuits just yeah well and but saying just because other people have been bad means like if Cuomo has done these things then it's okay because he's not as bad as is the wrong attitude because fair enough fair enough i agree don't operate on a continuum it's did you do the bad thing Okay, other people were worse. So this is going back a couple, like a couple of weeks ago. This is ad hominem. It's well, other people were worse. No, that's not part of the argument. The argument is you did the bad thing. We but don't care about, about what other other people did the bad thing. You did it. But the but this conversation takes place in this public structure of someone holding office, and we have to deal with how the courts and how the rest of government and how the people are going to treat this. So, yeah, I'm not saying he should 
get a pass, but I'm not, I'm also saying I don't believe he should be crucified and I'm not standing up for his behavior. I'm saying it's weird shit, but like, where are you drawing this line where the president of the United States, well, I guess he wasn't the president at the time he said this on a bus and it wasn't to a woman, but he did say that that's what he does. And it it didn't sound like he wasn't being serious. It sounds like, yeah. women have come forward and said like, yeah, those are things that he has done. So it, it exactly. wasn't just talk. And now obviously it's impossible to prove those things because unless you were there, but when one person says this person did this, and then that same person says, yeah, this, those are things that I, you can, it's, it's not hard to draw a line. Well, but you have to draw the line in, as to where you pull somebody out of office and ruin their life I mean, the guy's 63 years old i don't uh, think you're ruining his life like if he retires tomorrow i think he's going to live a pretty good life he, he he's not going to be hurting for money he could retire tomorrow and live a comfortable life so i no, don't have any sympathy if, if if you did the thing then suffer the consequences because if we won't have if any wants to have a moral high ground here, whether you're on a de- whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, if you ever want to hold moral high ground over the opposite party, then you need to be able to hold your own accountable as you want the opponent to be held accountable. Agreed, agreed. But we're holding them accountable at at what level for what offenses, and that's so, what I'm saying is. At some point, certain things, and this is a big thing we're facing right now as a Western society. I don't know about the rest of the world, um, but it's it's a big deal that we're facing. Let me just hit some comments because they're talking about what we're talking about. Um, let's see. Dem, Demoro said it was Linda, her friend, which I believe was Monica Lewinsky's friend. Um, and then from forever k forever queen i think they're doing this because of the election in new york um did you know my mother always used to tell me men will do what you let them do they will well true okay i see where she's going with that but it doesn't make it doesn't make it sexist though like anybody will do whatever they can get away with i've been in situations with you know, aggressive women or people that maybe misread situations. And it's made me very uncomfortable, but honestly, like I, you just kind of, for me at least just let it slide. I didn't feel like I had been ruined or, you know, it was an uncomfortable moment. I figured it was probably more uncomfortable for them. And I just wanted, you know, like, all right, that's over. Let's forget about it. Um, and if they went on and did something, I don't think I, Honestly, you know, I can remember a couple incidences, but I also like, I forget a lot of stuff and I just know there's other, other things that have happened. I just can't remember specifics because I just let it, I let it slide. Also, you know, I have a terrible memory, but, um, I don't know. I just, I, I wonder why that is. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <clears throat> no, but a lot of, a lot of shit. I just don't like clog up my brain. I just forget about it, especially if it's not super important in that moment. Um, well, what was the other? Th- oh, and then I was listening to de Blasio's take on this. And I know you're not in New York, especially not New York City. 
But de Blasio, I know de Blasio is not popular right now. De Blasio is not popular anywhere. He's arguably one of the worst mayors New York City has had. And I haven't heard anyone say anything positive about him. Um, it started I, off well, but that didn't last. I don't even think it started off that well. It just, it was, you know, he was in a I'm position. I'm talking about in terms of popularity. Like he, he started off popular and then started doing things and people like it. You know, that I was, what I was going to say is if he did very little, he would have had a fine run. But he's, he's just done a lot of stupid stuff. But what, what I heard him say was, well, you know, if, if these accusations are true, I, I really think, uh, you know, the, the governor's not fit for his role. And I was waiting for his next line to be like, but but I, I know somebody who is. <laughs> and, uh, well, that, that de Blasio thing to say. Yeah, like, well, I, I don't know. It was, uh, I don't know. I don't think that de Blasio would have a chance of governorship of New York. Well, he won mayor of New York City, so. Yeah, what was the last election? I honestly don't even know. It was, when was it? It was a while back. I, I'm, I'm asking seriously, not rhetorically. Oh, well, we can, I'll look it up. Let me, uh, we got to get into the parenting thing um, because I think that's, we could, we could go somewhere with that. And I know we wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah, I think we set record for the, like, the fastest introduction of a topic to going off topic yeah i know well, well before we get there let's let's start our regular intro uh james the bosnator boswell out of charleston south carolina accountant professional accountant professional referee philosopher and bartender uh, i'm out here in a cold basement in new jersey just outside of manhattan and it is cold out here um what are you drinking down there sunny Sticking with the bush ice, I uh, I went pretty hard Sunday night and making it easy today. What is so? I brought up the, the last podcast, sport drinking, which I in my head afterwards I was like, I just should have said bar hopping. Sport drinking sounds. Like, I don't know what was going on in my head when I said sport drinking, but I meant bar hopping. So I'm I'm curious. You said you went pretty hard on Sunday. What is what is define that? Like just. Drank more than I should have for it to be a weeknight. Were you were you in a bar? You were just drinking beer, hanging out? Uh, sure. <laughs> you, I failed to answer the question. No, I uh, did answer the question. You said, were you at a bar or were you just like hanging out somewhere? And the answer is yes. That was an or question. Yeah, but then I answered it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I'll skip that. Let me get into the parenting thing. So... I heard today, I think it was like Barstool Sports or something like this, um, that the North American GM for Nike, Ann Herbert, ha- had to step down. Oh, I just heard about this story. It's really stupid. <laughs> it's really stupid. I, I feel terrible for this woman because she is... I don't at all. She's a very high-ranking executive. And it's very difficult to parent when, and th- you know, there, this is definitely in our society, if you're super successful and your job is very demanding, it takes away from your family life, especially when it's a woman, because, you know, women typically have more implied duties at home the way our society is. Right or wrong, that's how things work. It, it's just how it is. So, but the woman is very successful, 
uh, executive at Nike for in North America, uh, which I assume is like Canada, the United States. Uh, that's my guess. Um, Mexico. Mexico. But uh, her son was selling Nike shoes on the secondary market. So basically, unlike eBay and all the other, there's got to be a whole bunch of shoes. He was finding limited releases and buying up as much stock as he could to be able to sell them on the secondary market for a profit. But probably he had access that no one else had access to unless they were a direct Nike employee, which I'm sure there's contracts that stipulate against that. And also Nike is really, my understanding, spearheading kind of, they want people to be paying retail for shoes. They, they're not huge on this secondary market. Um, you see, they say that, but when you do a limited release or whatever, if you're not using an auction type model to make the sale, then when you have limited supply and high demand, if you set the price at something that isn't market, which the only way you're really going to be able to get that is an auction, yeah. then, then people are going to buy it and then immediately sell it at market. So if Nike creates all these false supply shortages by underbidding in-demand shoes, then people who can move quickly and be able to get that supply will immediately recognize that there's an inefficiency in the market and for a profit. And what this kid was doing was he had access through his mom to both a basically inside trade information of when were the next releases going to be done? What were they going to be? And where were they going to be released? So he knew which Nike outlet was going to such and such a release of a shoe and show up there. And the purchases that he made, he was making his mother's corporate card. (laughs) This is, yeah, that's, that's the kicker also. It's not even his money. Now is this kid dumb and probably, you know, super entitled and, you know, sure. Yeah. And I, inclusion to draw. Yeah. I mean, the kid was being an idiot, you know, he was using his mom's money and he probably should have known that this was. Even if he paid her back, he was still benefiting from one, basically a free line of credit two, knowledge as where to use that credit, the best products to sure. sell back to the market. Sure. But also in his defense, it, he he took this too far, but he was taking advantage of an opportunity that was there. He just did so stupidly. Yeah, he and, didn't cover his tracks. Well, yeah, and it's almost it's, and I'm trying to look at this both sides of it. Uh, you know, the kid had this opportunity. He took advantage of it. He did so shittily, and he took too much advantage of it. Um, if he and, had not had a social media presence, if he has been. Ba- basically a faceless person and just he's got an ebay storefront that has some random username or whatever he just has a high volume inventory that he's able to move out but doesn't post videos of him in front of his warehouse and doesn't post videos of him with all this other stuff then nobody would have found out about this and he could have just been running a profitable venture and why draw attention to yourself yeah well exactly but i don't know how long you could have gotten away with it for before somebody, you know, caught on to this eBay store, wherever it is you sh- sell shoes and 
did some little investigation and then it is Nike, you know, and it's probably, but if he, yeah, but if, if he had it as his accountant, I would have been able to get the, <laughs> he, he would still be in business today. Well, that's, that's too bad. We got to, we got to plug your, uh, your accounting uh, via this. All he needed to do was up the eBay store in the name of generic LLC and create a legal entity separate from himself and just run everything through there. And then he's not connected to it at all. Well, sure. But people could, I mean, they, they, he could, he could cover his tracks well, but I don't know. People tend to, I don't know, and dig and, and who knows. I don't think a simple LLC is going to solve it because people can do a LLC set up a C corp. So that way it's not even tied to like, So it's its own separate legal entity is its own tax. So that way the C corp's income doesn't even show up on his tax return. And yeah, you're paying a little bit more than you would otherwise, but you can set it up so that this isn't tied to you at all. And you can just have stock ownership of the C corp and receive dividends or just wage. Well, you can just have someone to- look into that as the sole stockholder of, of this corporation or the sole employee of the corporation only if only if the uh, the c corp is publicly traded which it wouldn't be oh, true true uh all right so let's get more into parents because what we, we our, our goal was yeah, we're talking a, about parent companies now are we, fair enough our goal is to have a, a, a overriding topic of helicopter parents um but at this point we hadn't flushed out enough details to to get into it but but yeah, what I'm saying is she dropped the ball being a parent. Fair enough, though, because she was super successful in something else. And this kid lived a damn good life any way you look at it. Um, but he'll continue to as well. And, and he will continue to, yeah. She's stepping down. Maybe she'll get another, you know, bullshit job making only a few million dollars a year instead of, you know, who the hell knows what her giant salary was at Nike. Um but I'm sure she will live on. She's no Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, <laughs> um, and sexually assault somebody. <laughs> uh, that we know of. That, yeah, exactly. So, so look, uh, I want you to talk about helicopter parents because neither one of us is a parent. And um, I don't think either one of us had helicopter parents. I don't think either one of us had helicopter parents either. And I think that, I think, I don't know, I feel like that makes for a, more well-rounded person. So just do you want to define helicopter parent in case someone's not familiar with this term? I think, I think we need to start there. So I don't know when this term came about, but started hearing it probably when I was in college or maybe right after graduated college. You gotta, we, and the you idea of helicopter. You got to throw some what? years out there. Some years. Oh, um, Let's say somewhere between two thousand seven and twenty ten. Okay, okay. So you're saying twelve years ago or so, roughly. Ballpark. Uh, it, it probably said before then. That's when I started to hear it, and the idea of it is basically helicopter parent is this is your kid, and then you've got the helicopter just kind of circling above the kid, watching their every move, and it's usually for the, like the parents that. When a kid experiences some kind of trouble, the parent will immediately swoop in and just help the kid out so that the kids never learn 
how to solve their own problems because anytime they have a hard homework assignment, instead of the parent having the kid learn how to do the, the homework assignment and actually figure it out, the parent would just be like, oh, that's too hard for you, I'll do it. Or in trouble in school and instead of the kid having to face the consequences, the parent comes in and tries to bail the kid out. Or um, I had a conversation with a former professor of mine talking about this, where once you, when you're in high school, you're not legally an adult. So your, your grades are your parents' business. So your parents can go into the school and say, how's Justin doing in English class? And the English teacher, hey, Justin hasn't turned in three paper and he's, he's got a D minus in the class right now. Or Justin's doing great, he's got an A plus or whatever. Um, so the parents have legal right to access your grades as a high schooler. But in college, in college, if you're over 18, which virtually every college student is, you're legally an adult. So your parents don't have legal right to your grades unless you as a student sign a release saying you can talk to these people about my grades. So you, your grades are private in college. I will, I will advise you if you are a college student and your parents ask you to sign some paper, don't do it. Don't agree. Do it. And, uh, and, and if they're saying, well, we're paying your tuition, you have to sign this. If we're not paying your tuition, then that's obviously a judgment call you need to make, especially if you want to go to that school. But, yeah, but if you're paying your own way, if, if the student loans are in your name and your parents are really supporting you, then they have no right to your grades. Also, yeah, you're just going to live a better life. So real quick, I just Googled helicopter parent. First used in Dr. Haim Ginnot's 1969 book, Parents and Teenagers. Um, and they're talking about just 40 years. <laughs> but I, th I don't know when it became in, uh, you know popular lexicon. But uh, also called, uh, uh, let's see, parent is, pays, a parent who pays extreme close attention to a child's or, ch uh, or children's experiences and problems, particularly at educational institutions. Um, I've gotten most of the, the yeah, points. you were, you were, you were pretty dead on, but yeah, just if you've ever watched cops, when you're getting the point of view from a helicopter, the helicopter is just kind of always watching. It's very, if you're trying to outrun the police and there's a helicopter involved, you're kind of screwed. You're not going to outrun the helicopter. Yeah, it's, yeah, you're not going to run an helicopter. It's, it's, it's always there. It's got a great perspective on, on what's going on. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think we got a comment through TikTok that said, um, let's see, you don't really know until you have your own kids. I don't judge, which fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to judge. That's what but, I'm here to do. But you have to understand what happens when you're trying to solve your kids' problems. And just like you said, they, they become inept problem solvers themselves. And kids have to experience some duress and some adversity in order to grow and become stronger people. Otherwise, you're just creating soft pussy kids, which is kind of, you know, oh, this old guy told me I should eat the whole hot dog. You know, he should be crucified. Uh, tough enough, man. Um, no, no, you're, you're wrong on so many levels there. <laughs> well, but that's my, you know, that's my perspective on this. And, and uh, I, I just think we're creating soft people. And, and the phrase sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. You don't hear anymore. And I think, you know, now people are saying, well, he did say those words and it, and it did hurt me. And we need well, to you can choke it foot long. <laughs> you, yeah, I guess you could. But like I said, nobody wants to see someone chew on a dick. So like let's remove. Well, if you're chewing out your your choking hazard goes down considerably. 
<laughs> you know, let's remove some sexuality and some sexual discomfort from from the you know let's see you eat the whole foot long like that's a thing to say but it's just a goofy shit to say people say goofy shit that's worse than goofy anyways i'm having this conversation with my former professors and okay. she was talking about how she moved from a teaching role to kind of an advisement role where had a really bad semester usually freshmen that maybe did well in high school but now they're in college and they're on their own they don't have help that they used to have in high school and they're floundering they would come to her and she would help them instead in terms of like all right let's figure out strategies because you're not stupid you just are overwhelmed by having to be responsible for this now and she talked about how a lot of times she would get parents that would call on behalf of their of their kids and say, how's Justin doing in history or philosophy or whatever? And she's like, I can't release that to you. They're like, well, we're, well, for her parents or his parents or what? She says, yeah, but they haven't signed the release. They're an adult. They be able, they have to start solving their problems for themselves. You can't help them. Well, and she yeah. said that that had increased a lot from the time I graduated to whatever time this conversation. I was saying it's increased over the last decade. Oh yeah, I I could I could totally feel that happening. Just yeah, with general society. No, and I saw it when I was teaching. When I I taught in a variety of different schools, but spent a lot of time in a low income school, and then I did a brief period of time for about a month straight in a high income school. And, and which, which parents school, care more? I'm curious because I, I actually don't. I don't oh, know. Oh, the, the, the high income school by far. The low income school, I very rarely, if ever, saw the parents of the kids. Um, whereas okay. Okay. in the high income school, on a daily basis, there would be parents that were just there, like at lunch hour, like volunteering <laughs> in, in, in the lunchroom i'm not making this up i can't yeah, yeah. I, i'm not that Look, creative you know there'd just be we, parents that would spend like an hour or two in the school just like watching over their kids around. and these are middle school kids these are 11 and 12 year olds you know, that are capable we we went we had kids that we went to school with that had parents that worked in the school and the, this, these were not parents that worked in the school well even, yeah even worse these are parents that were volunteering but let me ask you a question school. let me ask you a question what's her name i, I wrote it down ann herbert from nike you think she ever went to a parent-teacher conference? Uh, I bet she did. You think? I bet she was busy, man. Uh, there's got to be a line in in terms of you. You say you know it was an upper class neighborhood, but I, I don't know. Maybe the super super wealthy. Maybe her husband went, but but I, I bet the majority of the school functions she skipped. I could be wrong. I don't have any idea. I, I don't know. I can just say that the parental involvement at the high income school was way higher, and it actually made my job more difficult because the kids would not have to address their own problems directly. They could have their parents handle them for them. And whereas at the income school, I could just level with the kids and say, hey, here's where we're at. This is what we need to do. Let's do it. They wouldn't say, well, I want to talk to my parents or whatever. They'd just be like, okay, these are my responsibilities. Look, you know, my plans as a parent are to be as hands-off as possible. And I think so. I'm, and I'm like thinking about it now. It's just, I haven't, I haven't flushed the thought out of my head, but you know, I got lucky and I, I didn't live a very difficult childhood. 
um, especially when it comes to money. But, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, like, if there was even less money there, if I would have been more successful. Um, or if there was more money there, if I would have been more or less successful. Impossible um, to answer. It's obviously it's impossible to answer, but like my thinking is like, you have to let your children develop their own personalities. You have to let them make their own mistakes. And I know you don't want kids, but I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. I want seven. That way if like you fuck up on a couple of them, um, like that's, you know, that's cool. I, I'd love for, I'd love for children to become like the perfect version of me that I wasn't able to have achieved. But I think, there's a lot of parents that are doing that and they're, they're actually really damaging their kid. Uh, and that yeah. the helicopter parenting is, I think a lot of times with parenting, you, you can often achieve the opposite result of, of what you're going for. Like you try to make your kid's life easy and then he just grows up and doesn't know how to deal with challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or you could try to make your kid's life a little tough and then you just grow up and you've got, you know, a deranged psychopath or something. Yeah, you're just jaded. Feel like everyone's against you. Fine yeah. line, but what we're talking about is not the people that are uh, like on one side or the other of the fine line by a little bit. I think we're talking about being way too far on one side or the other. Well, I and think that's where the helicopter parenting is coming in. Is like it's not that you're just helping your kid out a little bit here or there. It's that you're for your kid that they should be learning to do themselves. Because you don't want to see your kids struggle or suffer. And part of learning is struggling and suffering part when you don't understand something and you have to work to get there. Yeah. And that's, and that's real growth as an adult is having to figure shit out on your own. And, right. and so yeah. parents don't like seeing their kids struggling to understand that the struggle is an important part of the process. And when they cut out, like my dad was a math teacher and when i was in high school and i ran into a calculus problem that i couldn't solve i would go to him i say hey i can't figure this out he wouldn't do the problem for me he'd say here are the concepts you need to know here's how you go about solving this kind of equation now you go do it well yeah and your father actually was was a, a good teacher he tutored uh myself and and one other student one summer do you remember that vaguely uh, yeah, he he kind of tutored us through uh, some math. That was there was one summer where I decided I wanted to be in a higher level math, so I, I doubled up on the maths one year, and and you uh, killed it. Uh, I I, yeah, I did decently, but at that point in time in my high school career, I really kind of cared, but I think I really kind of let off the gas later on in my high school career <laughs> you know yeah. uh, <laughs> but as uh do. yeah yeah sure as, as most do but then you know that that didn't the thing is you know you're talking about calculus calculus is is definitely one of the coolest maths out there because it just has so much real world application you know should you choose to to use it um I think it allows you to really understand things a lot, a lot better, kind of like physics and physics. It's so different from any math that you've taken beforehand. Yeah. Because you're just looking at things in a different way. And the, the, even just to grasp the concept requires a different way of thinking. Even if you were good at math before, 
calculus just requires you to look at something differently. That can be hard. And that's why I stopped taking math is like, all right, I, I, I have my limit. Well, the concepts, the concepts are complex and, uh, you know, no wonder you graduated in philosophy and I graduated in business. <laughs> yeah, and now well, we I'm could doing accounting, which doesn't involve any calculus. It, it involves a ton of math, but it's all relatively simple. Yeah, I went in uh, for engineering and left for the business. <laughs> you know, like, um, all right, let me hit some comments real quick. Uh, I'd love to talk more about parenting. We should probably bring in some actual parents, um, maybe at different stages of parent parenting, uh, maybe in a subsequent podcast. Uh, but let's see, let me share some comments. Cause I love, I love when people are making comments on the live. So, uh, now kids think they deserve all, but you have to be hard and teach in a way they know it's not another world. I'm not sure I fully understand that. Uh, that's from Valeria. And then again, she said, both my daughters graduated at 16 and that's started good. college. As soon as they turned 18, they started working and paying uh, the end of their career. And then I was a single mom for the most part, wasn't the best mom at times. This is from Blondes, have more fun, but had a great support system and he grew into a fine young man. Had to work two jobs a lot of the time to make ends meet. And let's see, but what's wrong with being a little mini me? That's what I was saying. You think you're turning your kids into a better version of what you could have been. I see kids, education as an investment you should invest in good education for them and also prepare them to be ready for the real world and competition but uh, you know education as an investment right now it's an insane investment with with very little return on the investment if if you're gonna well it depends on where you're investing well i mean going to college is very expensive now yeah, but it depends on what college you're going to. You could spend sixty or eighty thousand dollars a year at Yale, or you could spend ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year at a state school, or you could spend two to five thousand dollars a year for two years at a two-year school, and then go and finish off your four-year degree for the other two years. You could also do trade schools. There's a lot of way. Like you can yeah. go anywhere from being a quarter million dollars in debt to being in debt maybe fifty thousand. Which is still a lot, but there's a big difference between fifty and two fifty. There is, and it, it also, it it you have to figure out what you're going for, what you're what you're, you know, what degree you're looking for, and what type of job you're looking to have when you get out. And we entrust that decision in very young people. <laughs> well, and the, and and you you're actually you led right into my next point, which is that. We have such a high pressure on high schoolers at junior and senior year that once you graduate high school, what do you do next? Go to college immediately at age 18. And that's just not right for everybody. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to college. What I'm saying is that there are some people that at age 18 might not be ready for college. Maybe it's better for you to go to college from 22 to 26 or 30 to 34 and get your degree eventually but if you're not ready for college, I had a couple of friends in college that dropped out within a year to a year and a half because they weren't ready for college at the time. And they probably would have been successful in college if they had waited. But 
you for them they really only had one opportunity at it because after they dropped out they were heavily in debt and they also mm-hmm. had terrible grades so it made it really hard for them to ever in the future want to go back because they'd have to first clear out their debt which mm-hmm. is just a naked liability because they don't even have an asset to show for or it or they should go to the uh horse track oh yeah that's <laughs> That's also a good idea, but they're sitting on this naked liability of the student loan debt that they can't expunge. They have nothing to show for it. And even if they had no debt, they've got a 0.3 GPA or something. So what school would take them? So, but if they had just waited, instead of following the advice of guidance counselors and everything else of next step is you just go to college. Well, also your parents and pretty much everybody around you, nobody it's, especially in the US, it's very uncommon. Somebody's going to say, well, maybe you should take a year off and do nothing. But, or work. Well, that's the gap year concept. Uh, I know that's bigger in Europe than it is here. But I think that's a really good idea. And and I like the idea of being like, okay, so you graduated high school. Now you've got basically no skills. You can sew together a stuffed animal and you can't balance a checkbook and you're great at gym. So go see. But you can go, carry around a five-pound bag of flour, and you, and you can carry around a bag of flour, which, by the way, you're gonna have to use that shit to actually make food. Um, and eating. Well, that makes carrying around the bag of flour progressively easier. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just, I think, and I, this is probably like this happens a lot where people look back, you know, like, oh, when I was 18, it was so much more difficult, but. I just, I look at like a 17 or 18 year old now and I'm thinking like this person on their own, like, holy fuck. They're like, they're fully incapable. Uh, I'll give you one. So this happened today. Um, I told the intern, I said, hey man, I need you to run to the post office. One of the interns. Uh, Grab your jacket. So he comes in my office and uh, he goes, all right. I say, here's two bucks. Uh, I think the stamps are 50 cents each. But I, I maybe I think it's maybe 51. I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, but so here's two bucks. I needed two envelopes mailed. Um, I'm like, so just drop by the post office and drop these off. You just got to grab two stamps. And he goes, well, well where do I get the stamps? The, the, the post office. That's, <laughs> what, that's where they sell them. And, um, and, and I said, I, I literally just stared at him. And I said, well, you're going to the post office. Where do you think you get the stamps? And he looked back and we had, I mean, it was probably like a 20 second interchange where I was like, all right, man, I'm not answering that question. You're going to the post office. And then he came back and I was like, where did you think you were going to get the stamps? He's like, I don't know, maybe like a bodega or something. Oh, oh so the Derv has, uh, has weighed in. He wants to make a comparison that I think is pretty good actually, which is in the Amish world, um, I believe it's called Room Springs. Uh-huh. Where yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where so you are grow you grow up and you're raised in the Amish culture. Mm-hmm. And that's all you know. And then you hit a certain age. I don't know what it is. Let's call it 18. I'm probably wrong, but for mm-hmm. our purposes, let's call it 18. For one year, you go out into the world, not yeah. as an Amish person, just as a person. You get to experience all the things that are forbidden in Amish culture. You want to drink? Go drink. You want to use technology? Use technology. Do whatever you want. And then you get to decide whether you want to come back or not. I love this idea. I think in application, though, it's probably very overwhelming and oh, scares sure. the shit out of somebody who's never watched TV 
And now, like, in order to get on the bus, they have to have a smartphone and download a fucking app. You know, and link well, it to their check account. I would imagine that you you it's probably a little bit more of a gentle introduction than that of just oh. take an Amish person, drop them in Times Square and say good luck. They, there's probably a system to gradually introduce that there's probably guides that will say all right like it's day one of your rum spring like <laughs> here are some tips and tricks here are some of the things that you probably haven't been taught about and so you it's not a sink or swim where you're just wearing concrete shoes yeah. it's going to be sink or swim and day one they're going to put like the like swim the weights on you or whatever. No, I, but yeah, I still exactly. think I still think you're wearing concrete shoes. I still think you're wearing concrete shoes. They might give you the floaties. Yeah, but you got the floaties. It equals out. I think I think I think if they're encouraging you to do it, it's got to be designed ultimately so that you drown. But they're weeding out the people that are going to create problems in the community later on. <clears throat> Perhaps they want the people that are like, I double down. I like this lifestyle, and that's cool. Like I, you know, I I I don't. I don't shit on, on that culture. I don't really shit on any culture, but you know, sometimes I'll talk a little trash. Have you met you? Yeah, I know. But, but a lot of it has to do with religion and stuff. But the fact that these guys are saying, look, go experience stuff. You make the choice rather than we're going to brainwash you. We're going to brainwash you. We're going to brainwash you. And by the way, you can't ever leave. Yeah. And if you leave, we ruin your life. Uh, There's a Netflix Scientology. There's a net, yeah, with Scientology, there's a Netflix uh, TV show called Orthodox or maybe Unorthodox, but an Orthodox Jewish girl from Brooklyn who tries to leave the community and they basically chase her down and she's way out of her element. She, you know, she, she is wearing concrete shoes in the sense that all, everything is new to her and she's got so much to learn and figure out. So, um, that's definitely a good one. I don't watch that. I, I'm not a big fan of, tv shows or series sometimes i'll pick up a little limited series but i like a movie where i can watch 25 minutes of it zone out and you know watch the rest of it in another sitting Uh, and then when it's done it's done that's what i don't like about tv is it just keeps going it's open-ended open-ended and then they try to suck you in to another season by leaving every you know they'll close some of the ties in the first season but then open up a whole nother plot line and the last episode of of the first that's, season that's their business model sure would you but that's what obviously i know that's a business model which is why i stay away from tv shows in general because that is the business model um and i yeah i can't keep up with that stuff um let me run back to some comments real quick and see what's uh what's hitting us live i think a lot of people talking about our take on parenting um so they said they saw the documentary uh 55 cent stamp uh i'm postal oh my god some doesn't know how to address a letter a lot of people don't know how to do that some people don't know how to write a check google sure but it's a very like you're just looking at a piece of envelope a piece of paper and i don't know it's difficult to go to google and be like how the fuck do i do this but I, Um, i google stuff all the time when i don't know how i Dude, I got a, when I lived, when we lived together in South Carolina, I had a motorcycle delivered on a truck. I'd never ridden a motorcycle before. I knew no one that had ridden a motorcycle. I just Googled it, read a few articles, watched some YouTube videos, and hopped on in the parking lot and drove around. Uh, you know, and, and you was, weren't good to start, but you didn't crash it. 
And then the next day I drove to work in a fucking monsoon, which uh, that sucked. But, and I remember like- But going eventually over, you learned. I remember going over bridges like the first couple of, couple of months and just being fucking terrified going over the bridge. Well, the Iron Gate bridges on tires that are not designed for them. Also, yeah, when you're, when you're driving over metal grates on a bridge, yeah. You have no grip. There's no traction, and you don't have balance. Like, if, you know, when yeah. you have four wheels, car is fun. Car, car doesn't need to balance. Car needs to steer, but uh, so does a motorcycle. But a motorcycle steers by balance. So, all right, let me hit the uh, hit one more platform here. Let's see what we got. Um, even the Irish make their people leave and figure out they want to commit. Okay, yeah, that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, for once, I agree with James. And most 18-year-olds don't know what they want. All right. That was from Doria. She was hey, we're on me. the board. <laughs> Once I agree with James. <laughs> uh, blondes have more fun talking about her son, who turned out very well. A lot of work on her part, uh, which is great. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're taking the stance that parents should do nothing for their kids. What we're no. saying is that... But the helicopter parent and the overdoing and the solve the problems for your kid is is no bueno yeah it's that you have to guide them to the solution but not give the answer away yeah which is tough you you push them in the right direction and hope that they they get there and sometimes you have to push them harder than other times but you're not carrying you know i'm now i'm thinking about like how i interact with people in the office when like people come to me and and, like the printer's not working and i want to and i want to be like look Look, you know, let me fix it for you, which is usually the fastest way to fix it. And then, two, I want to be like, why the fuck are you coming to me to fix a printer? And I go over there, and it's out of paper or something like that. Um, and then I get really mad. But also, you know, unlike a parent, <laughs> I don't want to push the person too much and be like, look, dummy, you know, you got to be able to figure this stuff out on your own. I'm not helping you. And then they just go to a different brokerage. Uh, well right and it's it's the same thing like so i train people at my job um because now i'm somehow one of the more senior people that's not a partner and we've hired a whole bunch of new people that are going to be good but they're inexperienced so they might be smart but they just haven't had a chance to do the job long enough to really understand everything that they need to do and so like there's some projects that i have that have been my responsibility for a long time that I need to start kind of getting off of my desk and onto somebody else's. And so usually what I'll do is I'll do it. If, if it's a monthly project, then like the first month I'll have, I'll give them the easiest 50 to 60% of it and say, yeah. here, do the easy stuff. And we'll go over and see if you get that right. And we'll make corrections. And then the next month, it'll be 75%. The next month, it'll be 90%. And then eventually, it'll be 100% them. But I'm easing them into it, where every month, it gets a little more complicated, and they have to handle the next level of difficulty. So that way, I can assess how are they doing, and that they're not overwhelmed and having to try and figure out something all at at once, and just getting frustrated because they can't get to where I got to because I've been doing it for three years and they've been doing it for three three weeks. Yeah. So it's not fair for me to expect them to be able to do that. Just like it wouldn't have been fair for somebody to expect me to have been able to do this this time three years ago. 
Yeah. Well, that's luckily my company has different teams and I can put people on teams. Not everybody needs to be on a team, but unfortunately where the stage is for my company now, mostly as a result of coronavirus, the company has grown so that I can't be hands-on with all these people. Um, but I also don't now have the resources to have someone to help out with all of these situations. You know, I don't have Rosh there to, to jump in and, and, and take care of that stuff. Um, so I got one and maybe, maybe we can close up with this, uh, unless we got a few more comments, but I think we, uh, we got some parents watching us, which is, which is kind of cool. Uh, cause we're getting a lot of parent perspective in the comments. Well, that's good. We need that. Cause neither so, of us are. But here, only one here, of us even desires it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's very true. Um, so here's a thought that I had: is you know, I, you want your kids to be independent, and you, you know, you, you they need to learn to do things on their own and put themselves in uncomfortable positions. And kids, especially spoiled ones. Um, if you're at a store with a kid and he wants something, just tell him he's got to go pay for it at the cash register. <laughs> well, I don't have any money. Well, here's the money. I'm go eight. Pay. All right, go stand in line. Here's the money. Because a lot of kids don't know how to have that interaction with a stranger, with the cash register clerk. That's a very uncomfortable. I remember when my mom used to, send me through the cash register uh and i'd be like rehearsing in my head what i was going to say <laughs> like how i was going to give the money and literally scared shitless so i think if you create that as a barrier of entry to a bit of a spoiled kid like you're gonna you're gonna bring him a little bit back more back down to earth but uh, it also just helps build life skills early of here's how you buy something at a store something that seems automatic to us but if you put yourself in the shoes of an eight-year-old who's never done it before, sure, it can be scary. Yeah, I, and I think that the idea of an allowance is is definitely good. I don't know that much about my family's finances growing up, but I don't, you know, allowance would have been great. I think there might have been times where we got a small allowance where it was maybe a couple bucks a week or something. But I got, I think I got a dollar a week for a while, and then it got bumped up to five, and I was rich. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we didn't have like spare money like that. Uh, to you know to and and also we had a smaller family than you did so there were certain things that were were just expected to you know that needed to be done and and my mom actually did the majority of of everything that needed to be done so we we definitely lucked out and uh it was a so you know my mom bought a home like an hour away from the house that i grew up never actually been there but i know where it is never been there no dude it's so far away so what she would do is she would go out on weekends and do some work out there and then you know she it started like she'd go like 6 a.m on a saturday morning and come back at night and then she'd go out 7 a.m on a sunday come back at night and then she just started staying the weekends out there and my sister and i were kind of had to you know we just had the house to ourselves over the weekend and uh and it was like a slow like she slowly backed away from her responsibilities as a parent, as she saw that we were, you know, my sister wanted to be an emancipated minor at like 15 years old. So my sister, you know, didn't yeah, there are other factors at play there though. Uh, sure. But my sister didn't cooperate much as, as her role as an adolescent. 
Um, but my mom, my mom felt increasingly comfortable going out there and she was also fixing it up. It was an old 1800s Victorian era at home. So, um, but we used to throw like crazy parties. My mom was gone. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not like you ever took advantage of the fact that your mom was gone on the weekends. <laughs> we used to rip everything out of the refrigerator and just fill it with uh, jello shots. Do you remember the story? My mom came home one, one week and she's like, Justin. And, there, and we had a huge party. And there was jello like everywhere in the hallway, up and down the walls and the ceiling. And my, my, mo- my mom came back. And, and I mean, we used to clean the house like with fucking Q-tips. We cleaned the house so well. So she'd be like, oh, these guys really take care of that. She must have known something was going on. But the fact that the house was so clean when she came back, she was like, cool with that. Um, but she came back one, one week and she was like, Justin, I told you, boys, no paintball in the house. <laughs> because- you know what? I'll take that bullet. <laughs> it was fucking jello on the ceiling. It was jello everywhere. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, no, that that's... I, I was like, like, I was like, oh, you're, we'll we'll clean it, mom. Don't worry. Ah, you're yeah, right. You know, we, that's called pleading a, mi- a felony down to a misdemeanor. <laughs> we we shouldn't have we shouldn't have been playing paintball. <laughs> but but ultimately, she she stepped back and stepped back as you know we got a little you know over the course of like two years and um I was in college and I think Megan was kind of a senior in high school, but. Again, Megan was very independent, didn't listen to uh, my sister, didn't listen to anything my mom said, tried to lead her own life, which, which is fine. That's cool. Um, but then my mom spent very little time at this house and we had to like mow the lawn and buy the groceries and we didn't have to pay the electric or the mortgage, luckily. But we, got a, we were very nicely eased into unwanted home ownership. Um, and then... And then in a weird, uh, some twisted events, we decided we were going to sell the home. It was on the market for a little while. My sister had listed it, and the home happened to sell the same week that I moved out of state. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Same, same week I, I moved to South Carolina, we had to pack up the house for good. Wow, I, did, yeah. I didn't remember that. Yeah, so, and then I've never really been back to the house since... I mean, I've driven up like up to the driveway and been like, oh, these motherfuckers did not take care of the house. Uh, but again, that's perspective, you know, whatever. They probably moved into the house and they were like, oh, these motherfuckers let, let this shit rot. Here we, here we are. We're going to do some shit, paint some weird colors outside. Um, all right. So we hit the hour mark. I'm running out of parenting stuff as I am not yet a parent. Uh, let's, uh, let's wrap. We'll, we should definitely do some more stuff on parenting because uh let's see what kind of the comments come in post-mortem and maybe do like a response to it see what people think (laughs) post-mortem fair enough um on that note james i will catch you later all right hopefully in about six weeks or so i'll have a new setting and then i can be the one going into a house these fuckers didn't take care of anything (laughs) and then also i i want to see um, since I've been doing a lot of real estate searches and everything, like I can look at like the property values around where I'm buying to get an idea as to like how much I should be spending and everything like that. Mm. And what I really want to hope for is that once I move in, I just want to see property values around me decline. That's a terrible thing. Just see is that way I can say I had this effect on the neighborhood. <laughs> well, if they went the other way, that wouldn't be a terrible thing either. Just saying. No, but I, I just like, <laughs> 
it's it's not an HOA property in a community that to me I would very much expect to be HOA. So it might be like some people are HOA and some people aren't. So I just want to see what how much of a negative effect can I have on property values around me? Christ. All right, dude. I'll catch you later. Adios. Later. All right, that concludes the episode on helicopter parenting. Let me know what you thought. Uh, definitely not a subject I thought we'd be talking about, but I would actually like to get more into it. So please let me know in the comments, DM me, let me know your thoughts. We'd love to have a full episode on parenting. Could you guys soon? I like PBR. I just got priced out of it. <laughs>